Love Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. Charleston was once the rage of
it's dwindling and being stripped away from us. Uh, my name is Joe Grumbine. Get it? Cup of Joe. Um, I'm drinking a cup of Joe, which I recommend everybody pull one up. And we are together building a brew that we call a cup of Joe. <clears throat> this is a podcast that is uh, on the air every Wednesday afternoon, and that means we're not bound by the uh, FCC rules and all the fun stuff. Um, but you know, we try to keep it a PG show for the for the most part. Once in a while, I get a little upset and have a little rant. But for the most part, uh, this is about liberty. This is about freedom. Uh, it happens to be about cannabis today, for the ridiculous reason that governments around the world have chosen to make it an illegal act to possess, cultivate, distribute, transport, give away breed anything that has to do with this cannabis plant and unfortunately even and possibly especially in places where we pass legalization measures people are still getting locked up for this plant they're still getting charged with crimes for this plant they're still getting their properties their rights their children their jobs taken away because of this plant so as much as we are the human solution International is a civil rights organization. I'm the CEO of that organization, and that's what's bringing us this show. It's not about the plant. It's about the liberty. It's about the freedom. It's about our inalienable rights to do as we see fit as long as it doesn't cause harm to anybody. Um, I don't see the problem with that, but there are plenty that do. We have an amazing show today set up, and uh, we've got an international celebrity, uh, 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 a man that I really didn't know much about until fairly recently, um, a Canadian by the name of John Turmel. And um, I did a little investigating on John as uh, we got him booked for this show. And he's, he's quite the interesting uh, individual, and uh, I, I suspect him and I have some some uh, common thread, a kindred spirit, if you will. I don't know if you notice the theme about this show, but we do tend to bring like-minded folks together, although I do welcome the enemy to come forth. Anybody who disagrees with my thoughts and ideas um, and has a valid point they want to bring to the show, please. I welcome the debate, yet no one to this day has ever taken it in four years of doing this show. Um, but if you do, you think I'm full of crap, you have the ability to come on this show and talk. You have to speak the truth. Uh, you can't be disrespectful, and your comments have to be based in fact with evidence to back it up. If you can't do that, you probably won't last very long. But if you can, you get a fair shot. Um, we have uh, a descendant by the name of Antonio uh, Willis from uh, Georgia. He's going to come on first. And the reason why is I don't know how long he has to be on. And then we're going to get right to John. Um, John promises to be quite uh, uh, a lively and interesting interview. And I'm going to give him the bulk of the show to speak. And I have a funny feeling He's capable to speak a lot. <laughs> so we also have Albert Thomas going to talk about our progress that's going on in Hawaii. We have Glenn, a defendant, going to talk. We have Eric Brown, a defendant. And um, 
So we got a pretty rich show. Of course, we have Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. We have Tom McCain from uh, Georgia. I'm going to bring him up along with Antonio, and um, that's going to be the, the layout for the show. As you all know, if you don't know, Craig Cecil is a regular on the show, um, and he's calls in from federal prison as he is serving a life sentence for cannabis in America in 2017 with no possibility of parole as a first-time offender. Um, go team, right? Um, but anyways, Craig calls virtually every show, and uh, he will be likely calling today. Also, we have another defendant from um, Michigan that's scheduled to call uh, from the jail in Michigan. So clearly if somebody calls from behind bars, it will preempt those of us who are free and can whatever inconvenience we might be facing will certainly be much less than being incarcerated. So we're going to start up with um, Antonio and Tom McCain. And if you remember last week, um, we had Antonio's attorney and Tom, and they were talking about this case that ultimately was a jury nullification victory. Uh, Tom and Antonio, you're both live on the air. Welcome to the show today. Thank you. How you doing? I'm Appreciate doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? <laughs> doing all right. So is this Antonio? Yeah, this is Antonio. Excellent. Tom, you're also live on the air. and uh, or I think you are anyways. Yep, Tom, you're also live on the air. So, Antonio, last what? week we were talking about you. Um, we heard the story from your attorney. and. Okay. Uh, uh, she told us about your case and, and how uh, you were able to get a victory in Georgia, um, even though the law would have said you would have been guilty. And the, uh, the jury determined that that law was unjust and should not have been applied, and they acquitted you. So that, that's the case, right? Pretty much. So um, as a defendant, um you know, I've been a defendant multiple times, and I, I certainly know what it's like, but um, in different places in the world, different different states in the country, um, it's a different experience. And you make your living as a driver, is that correct? Yes, I do. Yes, a transporter. You're a transporter. So if you were to get a felony on your record, what would that do to your commercial driver license? Oh, that would uh, suspend my driver license, and uh, that would make me stop from making money. So you would, because of, uh, of an act, no victim that would be determined unlawful by the state of Atlanta, um, you could have been stripped of your ability to to make a living. And you, have a, correct. you have a family, right? That's correct. I do. You have a wife and kids? Yes, I do. And they rely on you to make an income so that they can eat and have a roof over their heads, right? Correct, correct, correct. So this would have been devastating had it gone wrong. Yes, sir. Pretty would. Yes, sir. So, how, how was it? How was it as a defendant to have a public defender uh, like the one you had? She was quite a remarkable woman. Um, I yes, dealt with public yes, time, and usually they don't give much of a damn about their clients, and they don't usually do much to represent them. Yet you found this gem who was willing to represent you vigorously. She did a wonderful job, may I say. 
and you know she did an excellent job. You know I led with from her faith, and I followed behind her. And you know she's one that that will fight for. I wouldn't necessarily call her defendant. You know I mean uh, public defender. She she's a people person. So oh, I, I would say that. More. She was live on the air last week, and uh, she was a great guest, and you know kind of explained her position and. Uh, you know, when you when you went to trial, you, you didn't really have much of a choice in that had you taken a plea deal, um, you would have likely been hit with a felony and still lost your license, correct? Correct. So in, in a lot of cases, um, you know, people are, are given an opportunity to take a lesser charge, and, and often, you know, they'll do that easily because... They don't want to have to face the the jury. They don't want to have to take a risk of of a higher sentence, um, and likely it won't affect their ability to make a living. But in your case, you you were stuck without a without a choice. So it was really correct, kind correct. of uh, good fortune for you to find an attorney that was willing to to go in and and, and fight this vigorously. Yeah, fight for it. Yes, uh, yes. Now I I know that um, you know Tom McCain had brought this. Uh, your case to my attention, um, and I know Peachtree Normal was um, there in support of you. Um, what was it like to have at least somebody that gave a damn to be supportive of your case? Well, it feels real great because, you know, I never expected that. You know, but like I said, I have family behind me that was there, but to uh, witness someone who's there to uh, to tell about the story and, to uh, show my justification about it is a wonderful thing. That's what I say about it. That's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, Peachtree Normal is a great uh, organization, and we've been uh, – I've got an organization called The Human Solution. We do the same kind of work. So we work we work together, um, you know, as a coalition together. So um, it's just uh, really great to hear from you. And, uh, uh, you know, every time I hear somebody that has a victory, I just want to give them a – a minute to shout out and and oh you know, yes, appreciate that. Oh, that it's worth it's worth it to fight. Sometimes uh, it's always worth it to fight, in my opinion. But but you know you can't win unless you put up that fight. So I just want to That's congratulate right. you, you standing your ground and 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 pushing back. I appreciate hey, it, Joe? bro. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Uh, you know I got to say a couple things here. Uh, I think it needs to be pointed out again that they had video of this transaction. And this young man got up on the stand and admitted that he had made the transaction. So there were some other factors, of course, that played into it. It reeked of entrapment. uh, And... uh, but the point of it is that we had three people on that jury who were who who were related somehow to law enforcement. And we had the son of a detective, we had the brother of right. a Georgia sheriff, and we had the mother of a Lawrence County deputy on that Correct. jury. And and you know, I've told you this before, Antonio, I thought he was cooked. You know, from an old from an old cop's perspective, I thought he was correct, a cook. Correct, I really correct, did. Correct. And uh, but 
Uh, Catherine did a brilliant job. There's no doubt yes, about she that. She's kind of she's kind of one of a kind. Uh, we need a lot more like her uh, uh, defending people like Antonio. And uh, yes. so, at any rate, um, yeah, this was this was a real significant case here in in Middle Georgia and. Uh, and Antonio, I, I just gotta hand it to you. Um, told you this oh, privately, you. but I hand it to you pu- publicly uh, for you know, <laughs> standing up and taking it as far as you did because they offered you a pretty sweet deal, didn't they? Well, they offered me something like that, but you know what? You know, it was just the point that uh, I felt that I could go. I mean, you know, I felt who I put against my case was worthy of being the case. That's yeah. what I felt, you know. You know, that's how I would put that. Well, good on And that, that you know, that that would make me gave my decision about it. Okay. All right. Well, you know, like I say, it, we we have so many stories that come onto this show and are fighting for their lives and fighting for their freedom. And, you know, if you were to listen to this show uh, long enough, um, you would come to understand the uh, gravity of the situation that is prohibition. Um, most people don't have any idea how prohibition affects the world and the citizens that live in it. And until it happens to you, until you found yourself uh, sitting in the defendant seat, sitting there in a back right. of a cop, sitting in a holding cell, going, oh, shit, what happened? What am I going to do? Until that happens, most people go along going, well, I think it's legal, it's cool, there's no problem here, or it ain't going to happen to me. And, you know, I I deal with people in the industry, I deal with people in the so-called movement trying to pass a law here and there. What I don't deal with is enough people that get it and are willing to stand up and, and, and fight to end this. And that means showing up for people that are in court, that means sharing the information we learn that means teaching people about right. their rights. That means running for office. That means voting. That means all of those things. And until we get what we want, which is our personal liberty and our freedom that we all were born with, not much to ask, I wouldn't think. Until we get that, I think we got to keep fighting. So, Antonio, hopefully you will carry the torch and uh, and continue to, uh, you know, do what you're doing. And, and, you know, if somebody, you see a brother in need, um, you know, That's reach right. out and help them if you can. Hey, I appreciate that. A lot of the tours stay lit. I'm going to care. Excellent. I appreciate it. All right, Tom, you got no anything else you want to add to this? No. I uh, just, once again, appreciate you having us on here, Joe. Oh, you bet. Anytime. All right, Antonio and Tom, thank you very much for joining the show. And, again, it's always great to celebrate a victory and especially a jury nullification victory. So, um, well, I appreciate that. You know thank what? you. Carry on, folks. All right, we will talk to you all soon. Uh, all right, okay, up next, we got John Termel. Um, and before we bring up John, I want to just sort of give a shout-out to the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network for giving us a place to have this show. Um, if you're listening right now on the live feed and you have a question for John or a comment or something you want to say, all you got to do Pick up your phone and call 646-929-2495. There's three different...
different ways to listen to the show. One is to call the number, once again, 646-929-2495. Number two, you can click on the link that's floating around Facebook on Blog Talk Radio Network. And number three, actually, and four, there are two live feeds, one from Lisa Woldridge, Vice President of the Human Solution International, and one from my public figure page. And hopefully it's sharing around and we'll be getting a lot of feed on this. So, so again, if you want to uh, join the show, just call in. If you're listening right now and you've got a question for John or myself or any of the other guests, just hang up and call back and uh, we'll put you on. It looks like we have the amazing Becca in the screener seat today, and we want to thank Becca for uh, making some sense out of this mess that we call a show. All right, here we go, live, John Termell. Um, based Hi there. On what I can, we're looking at a legend here. John, we're getting some feedback. Yes. How, how is your connection? Fine. Okay, I've got some feedback coming back. I think maybe we're okay now. Are, are you on a speakerphone? No. Well, yes, but not on the speaker. Oh, huh, okay. Well, and it might be me. So um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and have to pull off. I run the live feed on speaker. Oh, God dang it. We're getting a... We're getting feedback on your side. Hmm. Maybe. Shall I try from another number? Yeah, try from another number, and um, we'll be waiting for you to call in, and we'll bring you right up. All right, I'll do it right now. Bye. All right. All right, John Termel with a little glitch here. We're going to go ahead and bring up. Uh, we'll bring up Albert Thomas. We've got an update in Hawaii right now. And, oh, wait, no, no, we've got Glenn. Okay. Um, so a couple of weeks ago we had Peggy calling in um, from Ohio, and we have a case uh, going on there. And uh, it was it's a, it's a brutal case. There's guns involved, and, and uh, apparently uh, they were holding Peggy hostage and uh, – Peggy suffers from MS and, and um, some other ailments, and uh, Glenn was uh, held on a high bail, and they weren't going to let him out, and they were threatening to indict Peggy unless Glenn took a deal, and um, Glenn ended up making bail, and Peggy got indicted, but I don't know beyond that. That's what I heard, so uh, we're going to bring you up live. Welcome to the show, Glenn. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Hopefully I, I, I repeated the story correctly. I think I did, but uh, why don't you tell it in your own words what's going on? Um, well, they, they indicted me on a <clears> – <throat> I'm facing an F1. I have three F3s, an F4, and an F5. Um, and each one of them has a gun specification with an added four more guns on top of that. Um, they come to me. Uh, stands felony for those of you who are unaware of how charges work, and the number um, connected to it is uh, rel- relative to the severity of the of the crime. So um, that's it's a lot of felonies they're they're dropping in your lap. 
Yeah, they um, the judge uh, said that I'm looking right now at 26 to 42 years. Um, it's it's kind of really crazy. I'm a excommunicated uh, West Central Ohio normal president. We belong to SWAB. We're both ordained ministers. Um, but they come to me and, and offered me a plea deal if I would plead out to all ten of the guns. They would leave Peggy alone, leave the house alone, and and we go on about it. Um, and I thought that was a really weak deal, so I decided not to take it because, again, I taking a deal would be admitting that I was in the wrong, that I am what they said I am. <clears throat> um, we're not drug dealers. We're not pushers. We're not. Uh, we're medical patients, per what the Ohio Revised Code for it, HB 523. Um, they come. They they raided the house. They got 250 grams of usable. Uh, they called it hash, but we had some wax and and some flour that uh, we vaporized. Um, and it was kind of tough and kind of really hard and really sad that that the case is going the way it is. Um, with with the laws that are in effect for Ohio, the prosecutor decided to stand up in court and and claim that because he doesn't feel that there's a marijuana law in Ohio, therefore there is not one. So. That is why I'm getting charged with all what I'm getting charged with instead of looking at the medical aspect and everything else that goes along with that. Well, um, as I as I told your wife, well, first of all, um, what what ended up happening? Was she indicted? Yeah, they uh, and I, they went ahead and indicted her with absolutely the same things that I'm charged with, uh, with only one clause. I'm charged with an extra. Uh, I have one extra charge on mine than she does. But yeah, they charged her with absolutely exact same crime that I had. But they haven't taken her into custody. No, no, they served her indictment papers and um, yeah, did not take her in custody. So I find that I find that interesting. Hopefully, um, that's to your benefit. Um, I mean, it's obviously to your benefit. But the fact that they didn't take her in tells you that there. It's almost it's almost just a power play, and they know uh, that they could any time, and it's just it's leverage that they use, unfortunately. Right. We we kind of feel that it is uh, politically motivated. Um, I did run for mayor. I ran for city council, um, and nothing was ever said about us being medical patients or anything beforehand while we were while I was running. Um, and I had planned on running again, and I believe that this pretty much reason why they because they they have hearsay just because a few people said that they think that there's trafficking going on at my house is the reason they got their search warrant. Right. Unfortunately, uh, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get a warrant uh, in the right place in the in the wrong time. Um, and you know, it's that's what the court system's supposed to be to do to, to to sort this out, determine if there was actual probable cause. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, a tip is considered that. Other times, it's not. Well, um, what I want to do, and I and I spoke to your wife about this. Um, I would love to have you engage with the Human Solution and and you know, uh, work with the tools that we have to rally support. Um, I know that uh, your wife's been onto the website, and we do have uh, a number of um, tools that we can use. And if you 
are willing to and want to uh, rally public support, we can help you do that. This show is one of the tools that we have. We can also put together a press release. We can put together a call to action. We can do a lot of things to reach out specifically to um, members of your community locally. Um, and I would obviously encourage you to find everybody and anybody that you can, um, you know, in driving distance to be willing to come to your support and to show up in court and, uh, you know, start building a support team. How are you, how are you fixed with that right now? Um, my wife and my daughter and my son are my complete support team. Of course, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are supporting too, but as far as anybody in the community um, or anybody that was from normal, uh, it kind of seemed like um, everybody's just kind of turned their back. I'm, I, I mean, I was West Central Ohio normal president um, over nine counties here, and I cannot get any support from anybody outside of our family. Um, well, we at one time have a, a functioning chapter of the solution in Ohio, and I, I believe we still have some members um, in Ohio. I, I'm certainly willing to reach out to, um, you know, members of our community. And, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate when, when a group that carries a name that people uh, connect with, with, you know, supporting um, ending prohibition and, and people that are falling victim of it don't. But people are people wherever you go, and there's good ones and bad ones and sideways ones. And we'll uh, work with you to help find the good ones that are near enough to you. I know there, I know there are plenty. And if you're willing to dig in and uh, you know help help to tell your story in such a way that we can share it, um, I'm more than glad to help you. Listen, we've got Craig Cecil calling in from federal prison right now, and he gets his 15 minutes. John, um, I hope you're okay to wait. I, I don't mean to uh, um, upend this. But Craig calls in every week, and um, I really need to be able to give him the time to talk. All right, Glenn. Well, um, I encourage you to call back again and to check in with Becca. Craig, how are you doing today? Good. Good evening, Joe. All right, hang on one second, Craig. All right, uh, Glenn, anyways, let's um, try to get a hold of Becca, and let's let's work on a program and a plan to get your – case to be known, and we'll find some people near enough to you that will be willing to show up and do some support. That is awesome, Joe. I, I really greatly appreciate all the support that we can get at this moment. Um, Peggy goes to court Monday, minus the 13th, if anybody's interested. Um, that's in Mercer County, Ohio. Um, and, yeah, we, we're willing to take on any support that we possibly can get for this. This would be amazing, amazing for us. Okay over to the website and get your court date up on our calendar, and I'll do everything I can to get, get some people out there on Monday. Absolutely. Uh, great, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on. All righty. Take care. Once again, Glenn from Ohio facing multiple felony counts. His wife, Peggy, also facing multiple felony counts because they decided to use a plant that in Ohio was deemed medically viable and has some protection of the law, but the law decided they don't want to give that protection uh, because they didn't like the way uh, he was doing something. Craig, I'm sorry to uh, have upended you. I had a defendant on the line who was uh, finally able to, to come on. He just got out of jail, and we were able to give him a couple of minutes to tell us a little bit about his story. 
Uh, we missed you last week, Craig. What happened? Trust me, I'm half Sicilian, I know. 
endorsement came from you. It didn't come from the 50-year-old person. It came from you and your listeners. And you, were the, you were the review that they're responding to. Well, there you go. I, and for all the listeners, I want you to, to listen to this and realize that that is the case. For everybody that thinks that there's not much you can do or that you, your vote doesn't matter or your voice doesn't matter, every single person that takes an action represents a thousand people that think it. Every single person that writes a letter or picks up that phone and makes a call represents a thousand people that think the same thing. And trust me, when enough of us do it, there's that certain magic number that if one or two or three do it, uh, they can deflect that. But if 10 or 50 or 100 or 1,000 do it, it turns it gets real really quick. And they know that it's not just those handful of people, but all the people that think like that that didn't quite take the motion to act. And like I say, I'm, I'm in the other 900 inmates here are, are reaping the benefit of the few people that did reach out and help us. It's made a, a, a world of difference to it. And uh, as you know, a year or so ago when the dentist office just closed for five months, and uh, people who, you know, have histories of drug abuse and all that, they have terrible teeth. And there was a mess of people with big swollen up cheeks and infected gums and all that. And they, nobody would help them. I remember you made such a difference. You had people contacting you from uh, the local area here that they heard in the newspaper. And they had a lot going on for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had. They some, don't even know what happens behind the wall. <laughs> yeah, we had some some local. Uh, I, I think it was a local newspaper or something reached out to me and was asking what was going on, um, and you know somehow our name had got brought up that. You know, we had something to do with it all, so I just told them what was going on. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, there's usually a very small number of people that are making all the good difference in the world. I wish it wasn't that way. I wish it was a lot more. But all the big changes that have ever happened in the world, probably since the beginning of history, have been made from a handful of people in comparison to the vast numbers of the population. Oh, that's so true. I mean, look at some of the people we can think, think of, like Mr. This call is from a federal prison. Mr. Brown that went up against the Board of Education and completely changed how the school systems treat people in different races. Uh, exactly. You know, it, it took a, a small amount of people to make sure that all women, all women could vote everywhere. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. And, and, you know, that's why, you know, I get frustrated on the show t sometimes because I just know how many people are listening. I know how many people sign on to a group page. I know how many people are, are sitting around, you know, kind of tacitly raising their hand. And I know how many people show up to get the job done. And, you know, I just wish I could find that language to say, well, I need 10 more. I need 50 more. I need 100 more. I'm hoping our guest John Turmel's got some ideas about how to how to rally yet a few more. I mean, you know, we get them one by one, two by two, and we watch the changes happen. But I just can't help but think what it would be like if we got a hundred thousand all at once that just decided, you know what, enough. We could get anything we want, anything we want. Well, the one group that I love to for that is the, uh, the people that back up. Uh, or actually challenged the, the laws regarding gun control and all that. 
I mean, if you look at that, all the Congress does is talk about a small change in it, and it rallies up people all across the country. Oh, and absolutely. They stand up and, and fight these things. And we, we need to learn something from them. I, I don't know how they do it, but they get those people fired up, and those people those people are loved. If I could get the, the, the gun lobby and, and the gays to, to stand right behind me and agree for this moment that we can all agree that this is worth fighting for, we would just knock this thing over. Boom. Just like that. And here we go. I think that was your first beat. Yes, it was. And uh, again, hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the phone just changed uh, tone. No. But uh, again, I thank you for helping us here behind the razor wire. Just like I say, just those meatballs tonight. <laughs> Big difference between a, a meal that, you know, would, you, you might be able to call torture into a meal that was legitimately a meal. And I mean, I I and the 900 other people can't thank you enough to, to make a difference to us hiding behind the razor that they have us hidden here behind the razor wire. Oh, you bet, Craig. I raised my cup of coffee to the meatballs today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. I can't toast any. And there he goes. 15 minutes. We get 15 minutes every time he calls. And, uh, John, I'm going to bring you right up now. I'm okay. sorry you had to sit five minutes on the line. Much better, much better clear. All right, John, welcome Good. to the show. I, uh, thank you. to speak with you. Um, uh, Janice and Devin are our chapter coordinators from Manitoba, and um, they've spoken very highly of you. And um, uh, frankly, I didn't know much about you until you got signed on as a guest, and I did a little research. It turned out you're uh, fairly prolific. Why don't I turn it over, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, okay, I got a couple of pot poems. How much time we got? Well, the the show goes on. For about another hour and fifteen minutes, and I need another. All another, right then. Okay. So it gives me an, so gives me an idea what I can tell you. All right. Okay. Go on ahead. Here we go. Back in 1974, I was finishing my engineering degree at Carleton University when they started a new course called the Mathematics of Gambling. And that is the year when the book Beat the Dealer came out. And I, in the, through the course, learned how to use the blackjack system. And I started junketing down to Las Vegas and making a lot of money. Then the next year, I became the teaching assistant of the mathematics and gambling course. I had a chance to go work as an engineer, but the gambling prof said, John, you're making 40 bucks an hour in Vegas playing blackjack, 15 an hour in town playing poker. How can you go work as an engineer for six bucks an hour? Be the assistant in my course and keep playing. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And I've been successful for the next 40-some years. But, for instance, there was a movie recently about an MIT class of students who learned to be card counters and their adventures taken on Atlantic City. Well, in 1975, I had the first team of university student card counters down in Vegas. So... I got tired of being busted for gambling, okay? That is what brought me into politics. 
I said, if I can play blackjack because it's a game of skill down south, I should be able to do that in Canada too, just like poker with no rake off. But they busted me, found me guilty, and I said, okay, now watch me go. So I ran underground games and everything until I was finally busted in 88. And in 89, a judge found me not guilty because I let everybody be the banker back against me because I was a card counter. Whoa. Next thing you know, I got 28-table underground casino. I made a million bucks in six months. But I knew they were going to bust me. And when they did, I had to spend the million really fast. So I founded a political party and ran for prime minister with more candidates than the Greens, which later on got me invited to the U.N. But back to the MedPod story. I was invited to speak at the 1994 Hemp Rally, the Million Man March in Toronto. And the night before, I wrote a poem. Oh, quickly, I'll step back to 79. I got tired of being busted for gambling, so I decided to run for parliament. And that's when I found out I was called the champion of the gamblers, hookers, and dope smokers because I wanted victimless crime legalized, decriminalized, gambling for sure, uh, prostitution. Come on, shy and unattractive people got a right to get laid to. And, of course, drugs. I want cops out of drugs. I want doctors running it. So that's why they made fun of me as the champion of the gamblers, hookers, and dope smokers in my first election. Then they asked me about inflation, and I said, how come the government's chips inflate and my casino chips don't? And I figured out, wow, interest makes money inflate. So I kept running an election after election after election after that, saying, we've got to run money like poker chips. you got collateral, here's the chips, no interest, and it can never change value. And it expanded to accepting people's time as the collateral. And that created a Let's Time Bank in 1984, which works like this. Unemployed people, single parents can log on what nights they can double-duty babysit each other's kids and then pay each other with one-hour bills even when they're broke. I thought an interest-free time bank system was such a great idea that I've run in 92 elections – and I'm running in my 93rd right now in Scarborough Agent Court, which is on December the 11th. And guess what? Not one meeting is planned. So no one's going to get to hear about the time bank software I could set up for Ontario. But back to MedPot now. In 94, I was invited to do that speech. So I wrote a poem the night before, and I'll do it now. I, it's the Laughing Grass poem. And... Uh, Hemp, God's plant for certain life, to the tune of glory, glory, hallelujah. All right? All right, maybe I'll try and say it. Okay, throughout all, hist throughout all history, hemp's been a plant of great repute. Four months to grow a mini tree of 20 foot from shoot. More oxygen converted from dioxide carbon smogs. Four times more wood than forestry can chop trees into logs. A hardy plant, insecticides and fertilizers, not. It grows so tall the shade kills weeds for fertile garden plot. With petrofuels, with sulfur being burned into the air, a fuel of biomass would help environmental care. And in the refrain, hemp protects human environment, hemp prevents human defilement, hemp promotes human achievement, God's gift for certain life. Hemp fuel, hemp varnishes, hemp paints, hemp fibers, cloth, and rope. 
hemp fertilizer, oil and plastics, medicines of hope. There's never been recorded deaths from using hemp, they say. It's sedative that fits receptors in our DNA. While alcohol debases, vibes of negative grow strong. The laughing grass makes common jolly, wishing no one wrong. It's source of protein, primary, for man and beast alike. The best plant used for finger in environmental dike. And then the refrain again, hemp protects human environment, ta-da. The industry of dirty petrochemicals may fear. It's nature's agri-chemicals will substitute its clear. For crops of untold uses which can soon be realized, our greatest source of biomass must first be legalized. The chance that we may yet evade environmental doom with planets fastest growing vegetable, no need for gloom. The abolitionists, which was the name of my new party, anti-slavery, charge that on lies are based these laws. Abolishing hemp prohibition is our second cause. <laughs> our first cause is abolishing interest on loans. I want everybody to be able to log on to the Bank of Canada's computer, open an account like PayPal, cut checks to settle all your interest-bearing debts and mortgages, and after that, all your payments to the Bank of Canada go against principal. And someday everybody's out of debt. So, but that's my first hemp poem. And I'll do the other one I just wrote yesterday about the Trudeaus and their promises about pot. So maybe I'll do that right now. Yeah, I'm like I say, it. what? No, have at it. This Go is, ahead. This is a draft now, okay? It's not the final product, but. In 1970s, Pierre Trudeau vowed that he would end the cops and gardeners of pot, no more to prison send. He never kept that promise. Over a million did it bust. Reneging on the deal, Pierre Trudeau registers unjust. In 2015, Justin Trudeau vowed that he would end the prohibition on our pot, no more to prison send. But over 100,000 people busted not of mob to keep the shysters, judges, cops, and guards all on the job. His ACMPR regime for licensed fill of need, over 1,000 applications filed to grow our weed. But Justin made requirements so costly and severe. More than 900 were rejected. Few the bar did clear. With Harper's MMAR, only four weeks did it take to process MedPot application for the patient's sake. But Justin's short-staffed ministry, a very tiny core, takes up to 30 weeks to do what used to take but four. His new regime may offer adults some healthy reprieve, but laws to bust small growers, kids, he and the code will leave. By busting competition small of growers who may dare, renegging Justin helps the big boys corner market share. Not bad. I enjoy well, that. I like it. Um, I'm, I'm doing a live feed right now, and we've gotten some positive responses already from the live feed. So, um, oh, yeah. to like, I definitely liked it. And, okay, you know, well, it, continuing the story. In, yeah, 2000, in 2000, I'm at the UN getting the Let's 
Time Bank software in the Millennium Declaration. And then my brother calls and said, I've just been busted for growing marijuana in the basement. He said, you know, after getting to the U.N., where else can you go with your bank reform? Time to come back and fight marijuana laws. So I did come back. And within one week, I filed a judicial review for Jean-Charles Taizot. They would only let him have three plants, guy with AIDS, for a judicial review in federal court. And then another and another and another. They had all sorts of reasons to stall people getting exemptions in those days. One guy, Barry Burkholder, two years they had stalled his exemption. So I, because of my gambling busts in my youth, I learned to fight my cases myself. Also, in the 1980s, when I started in politics, I started showing poor people who were being evicted from their homes due to Pierre's 22% interest rates how to stall their foreclosures. If a criminal can stall, stall, stall by appealing, 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 why can't a poor person stall foreclosure by appealing, appealing, appealing? And it worked. My longest stall was 33 months rent-free. Because once they make a claim, they can't claim no more. So people live in their homes rent-free while they stalled. So I had developed kits, and I called them Stiff the Bank kits, where people just fill in their names and their information. And I had written the arguments about why interest was so bad, it should be written off and struck down out of the Interest Act. And they would file these things and then lose and then file an appeal and then lose, file leave to the Supreme Court of Canada and then lose and then get kicked out. But they lived for free for quite a while. So after my brother got busted, I started putting together kits that people who were being stalled by Health Canada could use. And in August, now here's what happened now. Seven or eight days after my brother's bust, the Terry Parker decision comes down in Canada. And the Terry Parker decision said, the prohibition is invalid if you don't have a medical exemption. Got it? Prohibition, invalid, absent exemption. That's the Parker decision. Now, they also said, if we could have, we would have struck down the production offense, Section 7. But since the crowd hadn't appealed that because they changed from the Narcotic Control Act to another one, we can't strike it down. Well, six months later, in Alberta, Krieger got it struck down. The judge says, I agree with the Ontario Court of Appeal that possession and cultivation without an exemption is unconstitutional, and she struck down production. And then eventually in 2003, they were sustained. And um, so both the possession and the production were struck down absent an exemption. But they were suspended for a year to give them a chance to come up with an exemption. Well, one year later, they issue an exemption application form. Well, guess what? Terry Parker couldn't fill it out to find a doctor <laughs> in one day. Next day, he falls into jeopardy again. And therefore, they didn't comply with the Parker order that said this guy's got to end up protected, the poster boy. Giving him an application that's going to take six months to comply with is not a solution for his problem. So after that happened, I called that Terry Parker Day. August, uh, they had until July 31st midnight to come up with a working exemption if they wanted to keep the law alive. And they didn't. Well, in my eyes, Parker, if he's not protected, but if they find later that the exemption didn't work, same effect. 
No exemption, absent exemption, prohibition invalid. So I started dancing in the streets, but at the same time, five days later, I had 11 people all in the Federal Court of Canada, all together in one hearing. They even opened the Supreme Court of Canada building for one of the side, like they used to do 20 years earlier when I was around. And uh, so it was a hell of a show. It even made cannabis culture back in those days. And... uh, but, of course, the judge always dismisses these things. He's not going to say that this law is unconstitutional. So that is the kind of setup I used to have, these forms. So now that I'm back into the fight against marijuana laws, I'm helping these exemptees, and I'm challenging the conditions in the exemption in the MMAR. But once the decision comes down in Parker, and a year later they ain't fixed it, now the argument is we want the Parker order enforced, saying that, oh, they blew it with not protecting Parker. We want the law declared dead from August the 1st. So that's what we sought, Parker and me also. In another case, there was a JP decision. And this is a great story because the JP court found that, hey, we think that when they struck down the prohibition on possession in Parker, that just fixing the exemption wasn't good enough. They had to reenact the section in the CDSA. Well, guess what? The Court of Appeal later said, no, they don't have to reenact it, you know, if the MMAR works. But our Hitzig decision just found that the MMAR didn't work. <laughs> so we got to let the kid go and quash his charges, sustain the quashing of the kid's charges. So the Parker decision said you got to have an exemption if you want a prohibition. And then the Hitzig decision found that the exemption hadn't worked. And therefore, at the same day as the J- Hitzig decision, the JP decision said, well, if Parker says there's got to be an exemption and Hitzig said there was no exemption, I guess there was no prohibition, we're quashing the charges, and then the government withdrew 4,000 charges across Canada. Wow. Now, I'm the guy who filed the appeal that led to the Hitzig decision. So, that 4,000, that's my score. And I ain't even a lawyer. But, the point is, what can I say? I and Terry Parker were the appellants. And Hitzig was a cross-appellant, and they just switched the names at the end. That's it. So, but I filed that appeal that got the 4,000 people off in 2003. Now, here's the point. Section, now, they admitted that in the Hitzig decision, in Section 170, Paragraph 170, the most important one in all of Canadian MedPot law. They said that the Parker decision said that you've got to have an exemption to have a valid prohibition. Our decision in Hitzig says that they failed. Therefore, there was no valid prohibition between July 31, 2000 and October 7, 2003, today, the day when we strike down the flaws in the Hitzig request out of the MMAR, and now that we have a working exemption again, the CDSA law is back alive. That's what they said. Now, Section 43 of the Interpretation Act says that when a law is struck down or of no force and effect, it is deemed to be repealed, Section 2.2. 
Section 43 says, if you repeal something in one place, you can't bring back something alive in another place. So they repealed the defects and struck down the limits on growers in the NMAR, and then they said that it revived the prohibitions in the CDSA that had been dead for the past two years. So that is the big defense that people are using with my quash kits at my site, johntermel.com slash kits. I have two kinds of kits. I have federal court kits for people being jerked around by Health Canada with like seven-month delays when it used to take four weeks and dragging Health Canada in the court. We've got 17 plaintiffs already. Last time in 2014, I had 300 more plaintiffs all together bitching about being cut off of their permits to grow. So now, because virtually everybody who has a grow permit has been stalled way longer than four weeks, this new kit might get more than 300 people joining it. It only costs two bucks, and there's only one guy filing papers for the group, so it can't cost anything. So, but that's later story now. Back to the criminal code. So, basically, that's what they said. They said because Parker said prohibition... invalid absent exemption and because Hitzig said the exemption was absent wasn't working right we gotta let the kid go even though their original decision for letting them go because the MMAR wasn't legislated properly is wrong the MMAR didn't work so we still gotta let them go so that's the principle the Parker and Krieger principle is that absent exemption means no prohibitions that's established by the JP and the Hitzig decisions. Now, I'm the only person who ever raised Section 43 and said, whoa, 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 you're telling us that the law's been dead for two years and you've, you're dropping all these 4,000 remaining charges. I said, hey, are you going to erase the convictions of the people, the 100,000 people convicted under the bogus charges in those two years? No. So I appeal that to the Supreme Court of Canada, trying to erase the 100,000 bogus convictions. Just to get it on the record, I tried. You know, if you're going to drop the last 4,000, it means the damn law was dead. So why are you leaving the records on the books? And uh, so that was then the basis of my quad. Anybody who was charged in years after that, well, there were two reasons. The HITSIG decision found that there was a cap of one patient per grower, and there were three growers per site allowed. And the court ruled that, hey, that's ridiculous. I mean, that makes it very uneconomical to have, if you don't have enough growers and enough sites, you know, in, uh, on a site. So we're striking down those caps and declaring that, that those caps made supply illusory, and therefore that's why the law is dead, the prohibitions. Well, guess what? Two months after the Hitzig decision, Health Canada goes and puts the same caps back on. <gasps> I call that fumble in the end zone. So, and then later on, there's a Setkopoulos decision in 08, where again, the court strikes down the one patient per grower cap. And then the Barron decision a year later, where another court strikes down the three growers per uh, site cap. But Health Canada upped it to two patients per grower, and then four growers per site, okay? Almost laughing at the court. 
you know. If we spend another eight years challenging those limits and those caps and we win and strike them again, they'll just put it back to three and six, you know. So anyway, that's – but so that is the um, situation every time. But those courts weren't asked to declare the um, – oh, no offense. I call the concept Bino. Bad exemption, no offense. Same thing as prohibition, invalid, absent exemption. Bino, bad exemption, no offense. And, of course, that word's been used in the courts and in decisions. So here's what happens. Anybody who gets charged, let's say you got Michael Etier. He was charged with possession, 115 grams in North Bay. He was in court Tuesday. And he had filed a quash motion. And his only argument is that he can't claim that the MMAR was bad. He can't claim that the MMPR was bad. He's under the new ACMPR regime, which hasn't been declared bad yet. So his only card is Section 43. When Parker killed the possession because Hitzig said there was no exemption for those two years, it took Parliament to bring it back. That's his only card. Now, we got a guy out in Abbotsford, B.C. He was busted during the MNPR regime in 2015. Now, in 2014, April Fools, they instituted the MNPR that canceled everybody's grow-ups, and from then on, you had to go to an LP. And then a couple of years later, the federal court struck it down as unconstitutional, the whole regime. So from April 1st, 2014 to August 24th, 2016, no exemption. Absent. So Bob Woolsey out in Abbotsford filed a quash motion saying, hey, I was busted while the federal court said the MMPR was absent. I want to use the Parker principle to beat my charges. Now, his is more complicated because he was charged as a dispensary with trafficking. We have the Parker decision that struck down possession, never reenacted. We have the Klieger decision struck down production, never reenacted. But we don't have anybody who ever struck down trafficking, except that when the Crown mentioned that, Judge Skilnick and Woolsey case said, ah, oh, come on, how are you going to have trafficking of something that's legal? But it's still there. You got it? So the only way Woolsey can now do is say, look, it, if the production and the possession are not prohibited, it would really be an abuse of process of the court to enforce trafficking. And I think he might have the right judge to agree with him. So that's his argument. <laughs> So the first argument is that Section 43 kept the possession and prohibitions. They're still dead from Parker and Krieger. Okay, they're still dead. The Hitchcock Court had no power to bring them back to life by fixing the MMAR. Okay, so we tell the judge, you got a choice. You can obey Section 43 that says you can't revive something in one act that ain't a law, you know, by repealing something in another, or you can obey the Hitchcock Court who said that they're repealing something in an MMAR brought the CDSA back to life. Your choice. Now, so far, no judge has yet gone with the Interpretation Act. Isn't that sad? But we keep asking. So we got more on the hook. And then on December the 4th, Rene Ouellette in Quebec City, and we got uh, Tim McConnell in Gatineau. He's got his filed. So everybody starts their criminal self-defense 
with a motion to quash. It's not constitutional. You're using the Parker and the Krieger constitutional and the Hitzig and the Sekopoulos and the Allard constitutional wins to say, hey, they killed it. I don't have to kill it again. But if we do have to kill it again and a judge says, sorry, I disagree, law is still alive, now we have to do a constitutional to try and kill it. Now I'm going to talk about the Murnau case in Ontario in 2011, where the big headlines were, Judge Strikes Down Marijuana Prohibitions. And Murnau is the only case where he said, hey, I'm asking you to strike down the exemption, and I'm asking you to strike down the prohibitions, because the exemption didn't work. Okay? The only case, Paul Lewin. All the other guys, Alan Young, Conroy, they never asked for no offense. They just proved bad exemption and then got nothing more. But Lewin asked for no offense if you find bad exemption. Well, the judge said, look, it, I'm convinced 90% of the doctors ain't signing. Therefore, I find the exemption illusory, and therefore, I strike down Section 4, Section 7 prohibitions. Perfect. Perfect. <clears throat> but it gets appealed. And the Court of Appeal overturn it by saying, oh, how do you know the 90% of the doctors didn't all have really good reasons to say no? You didn't ask them why. So we're sending it back. Now, before Myrna could ask his patients for the non-medical reasons why the doctors said no, like, my insurance company is going to give me hassles. My uh, uh, association is going to give me hassles. I don't want to be known as a pot doctor. I haven't studied pot. Whatever non-medical reason he throws at you, that's what the court needed to hear. And therefore, our new constitutional motions, all of them, have witnesses asked, why'd your doctor say no? So, if Murnau could prove that 90% of the doctors sure sounded like the exemption wasn't working, but we can prove that 90% of the doctors didn't have good reason, now we covered it. So I call our new constitutional motions a Murnau plus Y. Now, the Crown withdrew the state the charges against him, so he never got the chance to ask his people. Hey, John, I've got another... Calling in from, from jail here. Go ahead. This call is subject to recording and monitoring, and your location information may be collected and used by collections and law enforcement personnel. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. Hello. Hello. Can anybody hear me? Yeah, yeah. You are, you're with me live on the air. Excellent, Joe. This is Ted Visner from Michigan. Hello, Ted. You are. Uh, How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm well. I'm currently out of custody, so I'm feeling good about it. But uh, you're not, so I'm feeling pretty crappy about it. You're also <laughs> on the on the line with a guy named John Turmel, who's a, a pioneer in Canada, and he was explaining um, some exhaustive, extensive work he's done in their court system um, to to literally make uh, fundamental changes. Um, using appellate decisions and um, just going after them on a brutal, proactive way. And, uh, you know, he was going through, uh, you know, systematically explaining it. But I know you've got a short period of time that you can be on. I told you I'd give you the floor. You are on the floor, and this is a, um, 
it's an archived thing, so um, we'll be able to go back and, and, you know, do whatever we need to. This will validate anything you say. That's excellent, Joe. I really appreciate it, and I apologize to anybody. I might be cutting in front of here or cutting short. We don't get back to it. It sounds like it's up here on this jailhouse phone call. Um, I was uh, raided and looted on October 11, 2017, and I've been uh, I've been held prisoner since then. I can't uh, I can't actually do anything in my court cases. They won't let me. Um, I have four criminal court cases against me, all different numbers. Uh, I'm in jail without having my my office equipment. So I have to beg gate guards and trade food and do all kinds of things to get the copies I need uh, to file in my court cases, only to come to understand that my, my filings are being uh, picked up and held by the judge, um, uh, obviously unlawfully, and, and the judge is making this decision uh, on his own as if you were my lawyer that he's not going to file my, my documents. So it, it's, uh, it's absolutely crazy here in Michigan. Um, I'm being denied due process right out of the gate by the judge. Uh, I'm my day, uh, incarcerated, and uh, like I said, I can't uh, can't do anything on my own behalf. Uh, about eight days ago, uh, November 16th, I believe it was, um, I had a bond motion because I'm being held on uh, uh, four criminal counts with a $25,000 bond each, which is $100,000 cash only. So they've made it impossible for me to, to bail out or bond out. So they're not um, they're not allowing a, a bondsman uh, to accept a 10% or less um, deposit and have them put that up. I've seldom, if ever, heard of that. I mean, I've heard them putting really large bails up. Like in my case, it was a quarter million, but they allowed a bondsman. We had to come up with 25,000 to 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 get me out rather than you know, the whole amount. In Michigan, or at least here, the, the payment is the dollar amount of the bond, and then and then it's either a regular bond or bail, and you pay 10% of that to get out. Uh, or if they say cash or surety, that means um, you have to come up with the equivalent without the 10%, which is which is the denial. It's, it's, it's That's like a federal case where they don't allow you to bail. They, you have to put up a property or something to... Uh, you know, to well, it's, uh, it's not mine, Joe, is I haven't been able to participate in my own defense, and uh, that's the way they like it. And and uh, some real crazy things going on here at the jail that I wanted to tell you about yesterday, and I couldn't get a hold of you. Uh, actually, saw uh, sexual, uh, criminal sexual uh, conduct here in my jail cell by by somebody that works here. Uh, one of my uh, cellmates here was choking. We pushed the button, got some help down here. And the help that showed up uh, looked like he was going to, you know, give him the Heimlich, but uh, actually grabbed him by the waist and started humping him like a dog. Wow. And it was it was just fucking horrific, Joe. It was it was horrible. Wow. And, 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 and uh, so, so now the, the jail's pissed off at me for, for making a deal out of this, and I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't supposed to be happening, guys. Yeah, it's not a joke. If you don't want me taking your shit, you know, and scrutinizing what you're doing, then, you know, you shouldn't be holding me anyway, you know. So, so yeah, so, so now we got that going on, and, and uh, there's retaliation now by, by everybody. I've been restricted now. I can't go to the law library. Uh, 
I've asked for a notary to sign some legal documents or notarize some legal documents for me um, more than two days ago now, and it's just totally non-responsive. Um, and, uh, and, and your wife is not able to communicate through your attorney? My case was bound over from the district court to the circuit court last, <coughs> last time I was in court. And um, if, if we get cut off, I can call back, Joe. Okay. Um, the, uh, the, uh, since I've been bound over, it's like I'm in, I'm in the twilight zone. Okay, I had a lawyer for a minute in the district court, but I was bound over to the circuit court, but I'm not on the circuit court roster yet, and I haven't been arraigned in the circuit court, and the circuit court hasn't picked up my charges. So for the last, uh, it, it, will, it will be 21 days on November 7th that I'm in limbo, not able to participate in my court case, not able to do anything. I, I'm, I'm totally in the dark. I can't talk to anybody. I can't communicate to anybody. I can't call the court clerk and schedule a hearing because I'm not on the roster yet. Uh, why my case was started in district court uh, with 18 named felonies uh, against me, uh, I, I think is part of the problem. I mean, this is how they how they are able to jack people up without without any you know real significance uh, in, in their claims. Um, it's just bizarre. I should have never started in the district court. I should have went right straight to the circuit court, and we'd be playing ball right now. But uh, but it's like the last 50 days don't even It's like we're just going to jack this guy up and hold him indefinitely on, on these bogus charges. Because, you know, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act sets out and specifically states that the medical use of marijuana is uh, uh, delivery and manufacture of marijuana, and that's what my charges are, is so, uh, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act doesn't even exist. <laughs> I hope I'm not talking too fast. But no, no, you're doing just fine. You're, you're doing fine, and you're loud and clear. Okay, hopefully we're getting this recorded. Getting oh, abso- um, absolutely. And, uh, anybody have any questions right away? Well, um, you know, I, I don't have a way to to bring the audience into this as a direct feed unless they call in and tell me they've got a question. But I, I, I have all kinds of questions, and I, and I can definitely lay this down for the people from my point of view. I've seen a number of cases in Michigan, per se, where a similar thing had happened, and um, people don't realize that they, the Justice Department has a lot of ways that they can hurt you. And one of them is this, where they can hold you up in limbo. And if a case doesn't get on the roster, get on the docket, you don't have a due process timeline that's ticking. And you're literally kind of in a twilight zone limbo until somehow it lands on a docket somewhere and you're able to get in front of a judge. And well, I, I hear what you're saying, Joe, but, but my due process is mine, and it's not, it's not dictated by some stupid court schedule or court calendar, um, that's just that's just totally, you know, asinine. I know a lot of people buy that excuse, well, you know, we're just, you're not on the roster yet. I'm like, well, wait a minute, then let me go home. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, I'm not justifying it by any means. I'm, I'm oh, just, no, no, that's not what I meant to imply by that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, just, I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm just laying down what happens, uh, you know, when they can't get you, Fair and square, they find 
ways to get you like this. Or in my case, they violated my bond and kept throwing me back in jail and raising my bond. Um, you know, they've, they've got all kinds of, of techniques to go outside of what, you know, your protections are supposed to be. It's, uh, it's gangster shit. It's, it's, you know, it, it's the... It's the, it's the biggest gang of all, which is the justice system and law enforcement, when they decide they want to do their own thing. And, you know, you've got a pretty good understanding of, of your rights and the law. And, you know, look, your rights are, are, are your inalienable rights. You were born with them. You've got life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Don't crap on your neighbors, and you should be able to do pretty much what you want. The idea that you know, a plant can be deemed illegal is ludicrous, and the idea that, uh, you know, you need some kind of special protection to not get locked up for doing something that causes harm to nobody is also ludicrous. But the fact that you were following your state's law, I frankly don't give a damn about, but the fact that you were gives you uh, a justification amongst those who do deem that as the thing that makes it right or wrong. And still, it didn't matter to, you know, the, the, the parties involved, the ones that have, you know, held you against your will. Well, check this out real quick, Joe. The, uh, the, uh, uh, we got testimony of the police now um, in our pretrial or, or our preliminary, I guess it's called. And another, another thing is they offer you a settlement conference before you begin pretrial, like, like they're trying to get you to buy, buy into something before they even tell you they have a case against you. It's just, it's just, it's just totally jacked up from that perspective too. But, um, and we got the police on the stand um, that, that, that uh, put this whole entire operation together. And they testified under oath that they're getting their, their uh, training from the Prosecutors Association of Michigan. Massive, massive conflict of interest here. Oh, absolutely. They, in California, they get their training from the CNOA, which is the, the Narcotics Officers Association. And, you know, their whole premise is that even in California, where we have a recreational law and a medical law, and they're trained that it's all a bunch of bullshit, and they get trained on how to eradicate it. Well, here's another thing, and, and the primary point that I was trying to make is that the, the, the officer in charge, his name is Barry Getz, that works for um, the, the, uh, the agency here, uh, creation of like five agencies, it's a uh, narcotic enforcement uh, coalition or whatever, it's, uh, it's called Bayonet here in Michigan, and they, they handle Central Michigan, I think, but it's a culmination of Michigan State Police, Bay County Sheriff's Office, and, and so on and so forth, and there's Barry Gapta, the detective in charge, who put together this entire military operation against me uh, using uh, the military strength and forces of the Michigan State Police. And uh, I got him to testify in the prelim uh, that he, he didn't even call the state of Michigan Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs before conducting this military strike on me to, to see if I was licensed by the state to do what I was doing. Yeah, because they don't really care that much.
Exactly. You know, doing this in April when your plants are a foot and a half tall or inside and, you know, not doing anything. Hell, they could do it in July when they're big and not flowering, you know. And, no, they yeah. don't. They do it in September and October but when everything's ready to go to market. There's a strategy to that, too, Joe. It's, it's, uh, they want us to put money and They want us to feed them. They want us to, you know, do everything, get everything ready. Because when they steal it, then it has value. And they can, they can resell it on their own dispensary shelves. And, and also, they want us to be totally out of money when they take it. Oh, absolutely. You know, like like any other farmer, you got to put money in to get money out. And we're, we sit here and we work our asses off doing this stuff. And this was only my second crop, my second year. And, you know, it, it's not cheap. I mean, we had a lot into this. And, and they were expecting that. And they wanted that. So, you know, it's not like we had a big purse sitting around that, that we could work on my defense and stuff after they came in and committed massive military strike felonies uh, undercover and and just rob us blind, bust our door down. And, Joe, they came after our kids. They came after our kids after blowing our door off. It's just, it, it, it just insane, insane, insane. Well, I, I know how you feel. I've suffered two raids, and I've had my house destroyed twice and, and my place of business and everything else. And I, you know, I've had the the assault weapon stuck in my head, and I, 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 I you don't forget that stuff. I, I want to again, you know, offer the the support of the Human Solution, and I definitely want to help you organize, um, you know, some local support so that when it comes down to it, and you do get a day in court, we can, you know, get some uh, media attention. We can get some locals. Uh, to stand up and, and, you know, bring awareness to what's really going on here. The caller has hung up. Oh, there we go. Once again, the the jail system in this case. It was uh, not the federal system. This is the state case. John, uh, again, I apologize, but you know what? This is what we do. We're here to support these people, and if they're willing to risk their – little rights they have uh, while incarcerated by calling in. Um, you know, um, this guy wants to make a record of of his situation, and this is a way we're able to do it. Um, even though it puts him at, at greater risk, it's something that, you know, we can offer these folks. And I know when, when I was locked up, I wished I had somebody show I could have called because <laughs> I certainly would have done it. Yeah, um, me too. Well, Continue on. He may call back. I, I don't know, but go ahead. Okay. Oh, here he is. Sorry about that. We're going to sure. keep taking one more time here. Inmate at Bay County Correctional Facility. This call is subject to recording and monitoring, and your location information may be collected and used by corrections and law enforcement personnel. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now. All right. We're here. Okay, thanks, Joe. I hung up quick to call back in. Um, I want to thank you for for the help uh, being able to to get this recorded so that we can so that we can use it and share it with other people in Michigan. I think because uh, what's going to happen here is that we're, we're going to set some precedents here that, that everybody in Michigan who's been arrested, uh, who's been a cardholder in Michigan since 2008, has been harassed by the police. Uh, we're going to be able to, to, to class act and rectify this in, to the extent where uh, people that have been uh, charged and convicted and, and serving time for um, 
for um, uh, manufacturing, delivering of marijuana when the Medical Marijuana Act makes that legal. Uh, it's it's going to be huge. It's going to be a turning point, I believe, here in Michigan. Because that is exactly what the act sets out to do. And that, that's what the Department of uh, Licensing and Regulatory Affairs is tasked with, uh, the supervision, the maintenance, the training, and all of this stuff, and they're just not doing it. They're not doing it, and, and it's their job. It's the responsibility to be training our police forces on what to do and what not to do, not our prosecutors. Our, our state and county prosecutors are making money by stealing, you know, our, this, this is a crop. Just like they would, you know, be stealing a farmer's corn crop if that's if that's what they were taking. You know, it's 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 off the hook, out of control here. And that's, that's Here we are, Excellent. and All right. we'll be Let's working on getting more stuff going. 
You bet. All okay. right. We'll take care, and we'll, we'll, let's talk tomorrow. Uh, we're going to keep moving back to John Turmel. Um, John, you're live back on the air, and I didn't know that we were going to have so much um, call from inmates, and we're getting kind of to the two-minute warning. I mean, I've got 24 minutes of the show, and I've still got a few updates that I need to do. Oh, okay. Um, well, then I'll go I'd fast. Like to, yeah, well, I want you to go fast, but what I want more than that is to have you come back on maybe next week to continue this, because I've got a lot of, I haven't even begun my part of the conversation yet. And so you've mm-hmm. laid down a huge story, but mm-hmm. I've got a lot I want to talk to you about of, of various points in this timeline. Um, okay. Are you able to come in a couple of weeks again? Yes, yes, no problem at all. Okay. Then why don't you take another five minutes or so and take all us right. through the rest of your timeline, and then next week, um, we'll have a discussion about this. I've got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Okay. So. All right, tell you. The the criminal stuff has all been laid out. You understand the theory of what the what the criminally charged people are saying, that either the law remains dead because the courts couldn't bring it back alive, or either it's dead because other exemptions failed. Those are the arguments being used by people all over the place. Now, in federal court, now we're dealing with people who were being jerked around and with huge delays of their exemptions, like up to seven months. Think about that. 30 weeks, our longest. We had 128, 130. I think I might have one a little longer than that yet. So, now, the card we're using is that back in 2013... My brother's exemption was expiring, and when it expires, you're supposed to destroy all your pot and all your plants, and they weren't going to renew it, okay? He'd sent it in like seven weeks in advance, and they wanted the full ten or whatever it was, so I got him a short notice motion in federal court, and the judge agreed to hear it that night, and then he ordered the guys at Health Canada to show up the next day to explain why they didn't renew his thing on time. So they renewed it that night at 11.30. But in the hearing to the judge, the health care, the Ministry of Justice guy on April Fontaine said, look, I was told by Mr. Um, Stéphane Lessard of Health Canada that they usually get exemptions done in four weeks and renewals in far less. And he can't understand why Ray Termel's exemption hasn't taken so long. Tried to get it put off till Monday. Judge sent everybody tomorrow morning in my office, in my courtroom, and they put it out that night. But the point is, under Harper's MMAR and the ministry working there, bureaucracy, they were doing it in four weeks. How can Trudeau be taking 28, 30 weeks to get people their medicine? So that is a big flaw in the exemption the fact that the government can stall people that badly. But the good part is that the previous time we had 300 people spend the two bucks to join us in federal court, all available at my page, johntermell.com slash kits, um, we were asking to have relief from an unconstitutional law saying we couldn't have our grows anymore. This is not the... Now, you need to prove malice before you can get damages for that kind of damage. But this one here, 
by having a short staff department that is not caused by the legislation the damages that's caused by the administration and that is actionable so right now we have people who have filed statements of claim and within the instructions on the statement of claim page is also instructions to file a motion for interim relief right now okay your honor i've been waiting seven months and i want to have my exemption right now please i've been waiting long enough so everybody can do the motion or they can just file the now even people who got their permits now they can still file a statement of claim for having been jerked around for seven months so i have three different sets of forms people who are still waiting to get their application People who are being stalled with renewals, 14, 16 weeks instead of two like in the old days, and people being stalled for amendments. We found out from one of our guys that a worker at Health Canada he was talking to said there's only four people in the department. Okay? Now, we want to verify that, but imagine. That explains why it takes six, seven months to do what used to take four weeks. So... Oh, I would bet that almost everybody who has a grow under the new ACMPR was jerked around for way longer than four weeks. So anybody who has been so jerked may, for $2, fill out a statement of claim, file it online, then they'll call you the next day for your credit card number to pay the 2 bucks. Or you can go into their office and pay it. Then they send you a nice statement of claim with a nice gold star saying that you did a beef about their delays. And the best of all, last week, there were 17 people in there. And they had their first hearing with the case management judge. And they asked that a guy in B.C., Jeff Harris, be appointed as the lead plaintiff who will file all the documents. Because the Crown are going to be filing one set of arguments against everybody trying to explain why these delays are okay. And we now have the right to only file one set of documents in response so that anybody can get in on the move for the two bucks, and then they don't have to file anything anymore. They just, well, there's one other page which you fax to the court that says, I want Jeff Harris to be lead, lead plaintiff, and I adopt his submissions. That's it. Then you sit back, put the gold star on your trophy wall, and see what happens. Now, in 2014, we had over 300 people, so they opened up 12 federal courtrooms across Canada in 10 provinces. All the capitals have a federal court registry. And so we had, and it was televised across the country. The Crown called it unprecedented, remarkable, and extraordinary. That's the kind of show it was. And this could be bigger. We have, the Crown has until January to file a motion to try and strike these statement of claims, saying not enough info. I'm an engineer. I only provided A. I'm an applicant, and A, it took too long. How much more info do you need? <laughs> so if you are out there and you've been jerked around, go check it out, johntermel.com slash kits, and then pick the one that fits your situation if you were jerked around for a renewal or an amendment or an application. Click that one, go in there, fill out the form, 
spend the two bucks filing it online, and you'll be proud someday of having gotten in on the fight. Now, here's the neat thing. If they've been jerking everybody around for half a year, can you really say that's a working exemption? And that means we can now raise the Beano argument as well as going for damages, which would probably be the value of the pot you were denied, I would think, at LP prices. Okay? Plus tax. I don't know about tax. I would think that would be how they work. I don't want to cut you off. I'm right in the spot now where I've got just enough time to get my other uh, guests in before the show closes up. Okay, perfect. We'll do it again at your convenience. I, I, I would love Hi. to have you come back next week, and I, I would like to get in and, and speak in plain terms. Um, you, you threw out a lot of information in, in a quick way and a lot of acronyms and things like that, and I want to yeah. go back and listen to what you said, and I'm going to take some notes, and I'm going to um, you know break some of this Good. stuff down for the common folk. And I, you're, I'm on your website right now, and I'm looking at johntermell.com forward slash kits. And I've already clicked some of the links. The links are all good. Um, it's well written. It's easy to read. And, um, you know, if you're in Canada and you've been denied this exemption, um, that will allow you to do growing on your own um, as opposed to having to go. When you're talking about an LP, you're talking about a licensed provider. Um, it will allow you to do this on your own. But if you don't get that exemption, they can come in and, and, and shut you down. So we'll we'll – get into more of this and get into some plain speak so that folks can understand and just know that I am very eager to, to, you know, probe a lot deeper into this. I respect your work. I'm very pleased to uh, have an opportunity to talk. I wish I could stop time and go at it, but I, I promised all these other folks that they're going to get a chance. So, uh, Okay, let's, let's next week on. I'll put you on my calendar. Excellent, John. A pleasure, and thank you so much all for right. being a part of the show. Great, it was fun. Thanks. Bye. All right. Once again, folks, John Turmel from Canada. And, uh, man, he's uh, uh, got so much to say and uh, just so pleased. I just want to get be able to dig in and break this down. We've got 14 minutes left of the show, and I've got a few people that want to talk. And let's go ahead and get right to Albert Thomas. And then I believe we've got Eric Pierce, um, a defendant, and, of course, Tom Corby with the NorCal Report to wrap it up. So let's go ahead um, Albert Thomas is our newest chapter coordinator in our newest chapter, and um, I believe we still owe him a charter certificate, but um, he's an officially chartered chapter in the big island of Hawaii. Albert, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. Great show, by the way. I've really learned a lot today. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just um, keep outdoing ourselves, huh? You know, it's really exciting to watch this grow and, you know, to listen to the calls and from all over the country at that. So I'm, I'm really excited. So, international, baby. Huh? I said we're international. Exactly. The Internet, the Internet is powerful. And, you know, I, I um, wanted to discuss with you how I might be able to better serve here i i'm kind of think i'm missing something because no one is calling me or and i put out on the internet the word about uh the the big island hawaii uh court support 
but even people that were facing charges seemed like they weren't interested. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering if there's something I, I need to do different or now what you need to do is keep doing sense. what you're doing. The problem is okay. it's very frustrating. I, I've been doing this now for nine years, um, both fighting my case and, and, and helping others. Um, the, the thing that you need to do is be a lighthouse. You need to just keep letting people know you're out there, keep letting people know that support is there. People don't, they don't know that they need support. They don't mm -hmm. believe that they need support. Or they're afraid of support. Their lawyers don't want them to have support, but we know it works. And when they get it, when you find the right match, it, it you'll see how valuable it is, and they will as well. Um, I, I deal with, you know, I get calls every week from people who think we're just a free loyal lawyer referral service. And when they find out we don't have a free lawyer for them, they, you know, oh, thanks, never mind. When they find out that it's work to stand up and fight their case, um, they usually say, well, you know, uh, I'll, I'll get back with you, but they don't. Um, but every now and again, you'll find a warrior. Every now and again, you'll find somebody who gets the value. They get what we offer, and that's what you're here for. So a, a lot of the time that you'll spend will just be simply being there, being there, being present, um, creating a presence out there, setting a light, a lighthouse beacon out there, maybe put an ad up on Craigslist now and again, um, you know, let people know how, set up a place to have meetings, whether it's a public library, um, a beach, any place, and, mm -hmm. and get interested in ending prohibition to get together and have a conversation. Um, those are the kind of things that we've found effective. It's very frustrating to do what we do because most people don't have it in them to do it. Um, our organization would be a lot larger if we were out there just trying to pass the law because everybody's willing to do that. Um, but when it comes down to digging in and, and doing the, you know, the grunt work, the footwork, the hard work, being the tip of the spear, um, you, you get your list of supporters to get awful small. But yeah. you're part of a team. You're part of an elite team that gets it, and we just stay the course. And, and one by one, somebody will stand up. One by one, you'll find that right match, and when you do, you'll see that it's an amazing uh, pearl of value. Yes, I, and I, I have found people are definitely interested. They, they want to know more about what the uh, human solution is about and the court support and jury nullification and those things. So if nothing else, I get an opportunity to have a conversation. But I, I'm just I'm concerned about some things logistically. You know, I, I, to cover the islands, you know, it's across water. <laughs> it's a few hundred miles. Hawaii is actually the biggest state in the world. I just found out, and and so trying to rally more support is something that I'm going to be focused on. And I appreciate that comment about library and starting some meetings. You know, this it is so important this work that you're doing and that we're doing. And and um, so I'm I'm wanting all the suggestions I can get to be as effective as I can from you know with with what I've got to do here. You start the conversation. You join the conversation. Uh, I welcome you to join our executive director meetings. 
on every Tuesday and Thursday at 9 o'clock our time, although that's 6 in the morning your time. Um, and any time that you want to, you know, call a meeting for Becca and Lisa and myself, um, we'll take the call. We'll make the time. That's what this is all about. You have a, a, a team of support, um, whether it's large or small, the core of this organization is here with you. And that's what we're here to do is to raise you up and to give you all the knowledge and support that we have so that ultimately this organization is stronger and more capable. Excellent. And that's what I found from the first day. I remember when I was essentially just looking for some support when I was facing charges. And I, you, you responded to me very quickly. So I, I, I appreciated that so much. I want to be able to respond to someone that way as well. And, and I think that I, it'll, it'll just take time. And well, so thank let's, let's have a conversation in the next couple of days, and we'll look at a strategy of outreach. And let's look and see what you've done. And I can show you some templates of ads we've put together and you know what? Let's have that conversation. Um, next radio show, I'll pull up ads that we've created. We'll have a discussion about it. Um, we just keep having these rich shows that I keep thinking, I didn't have a time for a monologue today. We just jumped right on into it. I haven't had a chance to expand on the damn thing. But that's what tells you it's a good show. We've got enough people involved and enough people that have enough to say that that's what it's all about. So, um We'll we'll have a private conversation and we'll bring some of this to uh, you know next week and the upcoming shows. Excellent. I want to say to the people that are on my guest list, thank you for showing up. I I can see the feed, Joe, and I think that you can actually join conversations and have multiple people in pictures on this thing. It's actually kind of robust. So, uh, <laughs> we're starting it's really... to figure it out. A little bit more interaction on the live feed. There's actually two live streams. And so um, uh, Lisa Wildridge, my vice president, is running one, and I've got one running here. And so hopefully it's getting shared around. And, you know, if you missed it the first time, you can come in and, and, and comment later on. But during the live feed, that's the beauty of this whole thing is you can have a conversation with the listeners at the same time. You can put questions up that I can address without having to be live on the air. So, Albert, we are real tight on time right now, and i got to give uh, uh, Tom Corby. I don't know if, Ed, if Eric has anything he wants to add, but um, Tom Corby definitely gets his five minutes to do his NorCal report. And uh, let's, let's talk real soon, and we'll keep this conversation going. Sounds great, Joe. Thanks a lot. Take care. Oh, thanks, Albert. Once again, Albert Thomas, chapter coordinator from the Big Island uh, Court the Big Island Court Support uh, Chapter of the Human Solution. And I'm not looking at it. I'm doing this from memory, so if I screw up, you know what? i got a teeny brain, and I remember too many things that uh, I wish I didn't have to. All right, I'm going to bring up Ed Pierce for just one second. I, it doesn't say if he had something to say, but it says he's a defendant, so usually that means they've got something to say. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. You bet. I didn't know if you had a question or a comment or something you wanted to add. Um, I am light on time. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. Um, yeah, uh, I'd like to thank Tom Corby for showing up for court support for me today, of course. Um, basically, I'd, uh, I'd appreciate any any uh, contact from uh, other people that have been through this or have some knowledge uh, in uh, what I can do with my case. 
Uh, obviously, my public defender is not not representing my defense at all. Um, did well, I uh, throw out my phone number? Eric, why don't you call next week, and we can you and I can specifically discuss your case. I've been through numerous cases, and I've gone all the way to trial in California for the same kind of charges you're dealing with. Um, and I'm more than glad to go over specifics and strategies. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a felon today because of what the human solution did and the things that we've learned along the way. And I, the reason that we exist is so that I can share what I've learned with you and what others have learned. So although we only have a few minutes today, if you call in next week, I'll give you a segment we can go through and, and, and dig into it. All right, I'd appreciate that. Thanks. You bet. All right. Well, then we'll let's just plan on talking next week. I got three minutes thirty-five seconds to bring Tom Corby up with the NorCal report. Did you have any any contact information you wanted to throw out? Uh, yeah, I could throw out my phone number if that's okay. Sure. Have at it. Uh, yeah. Uh, area code five three zero four zero three zero one six nine. All right, and once again, if you've got experience fighting a case in California, um, you know, give Eric a call. Maybe, um, you know, you have something to lend to this, um, and I'll, I will definitely uh, put you up as a segment for next week, and, we'll, and uh, we'll dig into it. That's what this is all about. That's what the Human Solution is all about. All right, thanks a lot. All right, Eric, we'll talk next week. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, once again, Eric Pierce a defendant in the state of California where we have both a medical and a recreational law that says you're not supposed to have this kind of problem. But you're live on the air. You get to wrap the show up with the NorCal report. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, Joe. It was nice to hear Eric Pierce talk about his case today. And uh, one of the things I want to point out, and always I want to thank – Bobby Rodrigo and the Coffee Party Radio Show, Becca, Mary, Mike, all the folks on the front line coming together to help be the solution to end prohibition. So uh, what I've been t- we've been talking about Eric Pierce's case uh, for at least a, a few years now, and uh, he went on to his uh, uh, trial readiness conference number four today. What's that say? Oh, must this is just a a simple misdemeanor mushroom charge that he's taken on with the sacrament. Uh, what we always point out, we don't go to trial for misdemeanors. And uh, what a waste of time and taxpayers' money. Think about that. Poor trial readiness conference. Uh, what's good now, uh, I will say, is uh, what we in Northern California we consent, uh, continues to set huge precedents uh, with acquittals and dismissals, uh, taking them on probable cause, uh, dismiss, dismiss motions, and taking them on to a speedy trial, uh, which Eric Pierce is also uh, all continues demand his right to a speedy trial. Uh, I think Eric shared uh, just shared today uh, that uh, P.D. Marshall uh, I've, I've shared uh, he was one of the hardest. Uh, public defenders we've ever had to work with has actually shouted at Eric, told him he was stupid for taking a deal, and yelled at him one day to get in there like some kid. 
Well, marshals, uh, like a lot of them, have been redirected. A lot of our uh, public defenders up here, uh, and I want to thank Karen again for coming on, uh, have been redirected, and they they know now that they do want on this winning team and this ribbon of solidarity. Uh, they want to be a part of that. So Eric Pierce uh, is going on to uh, trial uh, this uh, December uh, 8th at 8.30 a.m., and that's number one Court Street right here in Oroville, California. We always uh, ask for local court support and to come bear witness to the injustices that go on inside these courtrooms. Uh, always, I want to thank Eric Pierce for standing his ground. He also has come here and helped this old man right here. Uh, I have with me today a new case, uh, a longtime uh, friend that, that uh, go way back with my collective and, and uh, uh, Eric Brown uh, uh, approximately a half a year ago. Uh, he's not a drinker, kind of had a party, you know, and had a few drinks. And uh, basically, Eric's here today and say a few words if he wants to. But what, what I paraphrase was just tell you that uh, for some reason, uh, his wife dropped him off at, 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 at a gas. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he dropped him off and he had to walk four miles home. And he, he still doesn't actually know why. So when he came in, uh, he was got a little boisterous and uh, his stepson. I just kind of came into faith, and he, he kind of tried to straighten it out. I don't think after four four mile walk that that Eric was still drunk, which they're saying that that's part of it. And uh, so actually, it went into a fisticuff outside. But Eric never threw any blows, so he's up for a public disturbance uh, misdemeanor. Another uh, BS case that we're giving. Uh, as usual, are two to four to one odds here that this case will be dismissed, just a matter of time. Uh, Eric's uh, also stand his ground, hasn't feel, hasn't done anything wrong, and Eric's uh, already has uh, went through uh, past Raymond. Uh, we know that once that they bind you over for Raymond, game is on. Uh, so Eric Eric uh, is, is is scheduled tomorrow uh, at 8:30 a.m. for uh, I it's, it's I think it's really his first uh, TRC or it could be a TAC it doesn't matter a trial assignment conference and then uh, uh, tomorrow at 8:30 a.m. and uh, he has uh, a new PD that I'm not familiar with, uh, uh, Caraway, and uh, so uh, maybe Eric Brown would like to just say a little something, uh, maybe about. Uh, he's also a member of the Human Solution, and uh, he, he he's grateful for the advocacy and support with the Human Solution International. This is Eric Brown. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, hi. Uh, Tom just took the words right out of my mouth. I was just going to say uh, thanks, and I uh, hope we get this thing going to where they finally stop trying to pick on people, you know, and hopefully we can get all the support we can. And here's Tom since he ain't got much time. Thanks. Right. And that's a <laughs> basic point. Right. So uh, <clears throat> Eric's helping me here today. Uh, just talk. 
Uh, we just, uh, he helped me uh, get Eric Pierce's uh, TAC coming up here on the 8th uh, to the Human Solution International.org. Uh, we uh, suggest people go there to post their cases and to help build court support. And so uh, that's good to know. And also, uh, one of the things with the, uh, uh, more, uh, that we're having problems with with the new calendar is that when you're posting in the uh, the details, you only have one line. And Joe, once you get to the end, and you, if you want to go back, you can't get back in. You you can't. You have to back out. And uh, if there's some way, maybe Becca or the the the, the ladies, uh, whoever can do get it back to where when you're, you're, you're posting in those details, it's an open box where it's wide open, where you, uh, maybe it's something that's easy to crack. Otherwise I do like the new calendar. Okay. I want to thank will, everybody. today. So, we, uh, uh, we do uh, have a, tomorrow we'll be talking about that for sure. All right. Great. So we're hoping to get you up here for new year's or after when things slow down, Joe and, been a long time to us to visit up here and I, I want to tell, tell you all out there uh, there's nobody comes for others like Joe Grumbine he's actually come up here a couple of times for one of our one of our six Creek trials so uh, again thank you all today for coming stand your ground and as my wife Donna says don't forget to breathe excellent once again Tom Corby with the NorCal report um, before we go I've got, we're already in a little over time. i got one more thing I want to talk about. We have um, the project that we've been working on, the UCCA project, and we're trying to, um, we're trying to get support for the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment. And on the Human Solution website, um, thsintl.org, you can look right at the very top of the page in the buttons, and there's a button that says UCCA, colon, the Rohrbacher FAR endorsed letter ready to mail. So for the last couple of weeks, uh, we were working on getting endorsements. Uh, we're done with that. December 8th, if we don't get the support needed, this bill will die. And now is the time to act. And here is the way to act. If you look at, click on this button, you will see very clearly what you can do. And I'm going to read it to you real quick. The UCCA has drafted a letter stating the need for this amendment to be allowed to the floor to, for a vote. We ask for any individuals, organizations, and groups to endorse this letter and have received almost 600 responses. The next step is to find your state representative and either print this letter, link is below, or write your own, and either postal mail it or email it to your representative, or hand it to them in person. You do not have to be a cannabis activist or a nonprofit. You just need to care enough about this amendment being renewed and willing to endorse the letter. We only have till the 8th of December to do this. The amendment expires then. There's a link to click. If you click the link, you will see this letter pop up. I'll click the link right now. Lisa's feed will show it. Okay, we have the link, and it has all the endorsements. There are nine pages. I have printed this letter with the endorsements. There are nine pages here. All you need to do is take pen and paper, sign this letter with your 
smoking pen, of course, but if I did, I would sign it right here, and I would go then to the link that is on the website. So if you go back to the link on the website, you will see that there's a link to congress.gov. If you go to congress.gov and you look, you will see there is a button that says, uh, where the hell is it? Find a representative. Uh, there's a link here somewhere. I just had it. But anyways, all you need to do is find your legislator. Okay? You click the button. Oh, here it is. Contact your member. All right? And then you can click it. You have a direct... Look it up. Here we go. Type in your zip code. And I'm doing that right now. And lo and behold, there are two representatives that qualify for my zip code. If you type in your address, you can find out that my representative is Ken Calvert, a Republican douchebag who really doesn't want to help out at all. And I have sent numerous letters about this bill previously and received poor responses, but I'm going to send this one again, and I'm going to encourage everybody who is in my district to do the same. Possibly, if this douchebag hears from enough people, he'll change the way he thinks. Um, that's the way it is. That's the way it is, folks. You need to get this letter to your congressman and every member of the Ways and Means Committee, and we have until December 8th. You can just send it as an attachment on an email, but the best thing to do is to print this sucker and get it in their hands, it will be duly noted, you will represent a thousand people that think the way you do, and it will make a difference. And if you do, and you get a response, get that response to me. I'm going to select one winner, one person who sends me a response before December 8th, and there's going to be a hell of a prize. I'm not going to tell you what the prize is. I'm just going to tell you it's going to be a great one. And there will be something in this prize that nobody else will have, I can assure you. It's something very special that only I know about right now. And well, a couple people know about it, but I'm the only one that's seen it. Anyways, that all being said, um, that's it for the show today. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Next week we've got an amazing um, guest by the name of Dee Dee Kirkwood. And uh, Dee Dee has a hell of a story to tell. Dee Dee is a champion of those who are locked up for pot, and Dee Dee's also a member and a huge supporter of the Human Solution International. And we're also going to have John Turmel back on to speak about his work, and I've got a lot of questions for him to break some of this stuff down into lay terms. I know what it's like to have too much to say and too short to say it. You end up breaking things down really quickly, and you just got to cover the ground. This time we're going to go back and break some of it down the guys do an amazing work. I really want everybody to uh, be able to participate. All right, folks, that's it for today. We'll see you. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said, Don, you were always on my mind.